Welcome to the Philip Wiley Show. Take a look behind the curtain of professional hacking and hear compelling discussions with guests from diverse backgrounds who share a common curiosity and passion for challenges and their job. And now, here's your host, offensive security professional, educator, mentor, and author, Philip Wiley. Hello and welcome to another episode. I'm very excited to have my good friend Rando joining today. Uh, kind of give credit to Rando for me partially getting into like streaming and stuff because whenever I was getting into streaming, uh, he was kind enough to take a call with me one day and kind of show me the ropes on on how to stream and stuff. I streamed for a while, but then kind of figured out that the podcasting thing was kind of more more my speed. But thanks to him, I got some good tips on on how to stream, and I still from time to time will do streams one offs here and there, but, uh, I appreciate the time you took to do that. And, uh, thanks for joining. Yeah, dude, absolutely. I love, that's my, that's my jam. Like all the stuff that I've figured out over the past few years and like over lockdown and stuff like 2020, 2021, I was doing nothing but like doing streams about how to stream and like step-by-step step from, you know, everybody thinks they have this big high bar for entry but like you don't, you can just have a laptop and a mic and, and start streaming. Like you don't have to have the sure microphones and things like that, but oh, dude, I, I love, I love talking about, it. I love doing it. It's, it's my favorite and look, looking good, man. I've, my, my words weren't lost on you for sure. Well, thanks. Yeah. It's interesting too, because thinking back during the pandemic, when you're streaming, remember the bucks for Belize virtual conference that you ran because mm -hmm. uh, Lisa, Chloe and myself were on there because we were doing the uncommon journey podcast at the time yeah that was fun that was a whole thing for for anybody who doesn't know um on uh, uh down in belize they got absolutely decimated by lockdown and travel restrictions and covid and all these things and um uh el quintaro uh uh, uh homeless hacker um and um uh, a few other people go down there uh blind hacker i think goes down there to do classes and they, and they teach so we, I just, I think, I, th I think it was blind. I think it was blind posted or no, or no, it was homeless. Um, had posted on Twitter, like, Hey, I do these things for these kids. And I was like, let's do a charity thing. And it turned in from a, this one-off like tweet out of nowhere to us doing a 24 hour, like marathon of raising money for them. And I don't even remember. I think we did 20. I want to say it was like over 20 K, but I don't really remember. Um, and I still haven't had a chance to get down there yet. I would love to meet those kids and, and hang out, but it just doesn't happen. But. Seems like it'd be an interesting place to, to visit. Cause if I'm not mistaken, I think it's one of the, one of the areas that people are starting to use as a re retirement retirement destination, mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah. And, and good for the, good for the people. Yeah. Cause like the students need stuff and the parents aren't working and, and the school needs things and, and all that. And, um, yeah. And every so often I, I get a, I get a message from their principal. Hey, we're doing this thing. Our, our our students would like to ask you some things, and yeah, it's 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 great. Those uh, by the time I get down there, all the kids that graduate that were in school when I did the thing will have graduated college and won't remember what I did. So, but that's fine. It's fun. It's yeah. it's my version of uh, you know stunt hacking. It's you know stunt streaming. Like, what kind of stuff can I possibly fit in in twenty four hours of not sleeping? Yeah, it's pretty. It was a fun virtual conference, and and great that you did that. There was some some pretty good uh, names in the industry that that participated. Oh yeah, everybody's very giving of their time. Like if you just ask, and not like all of us were doing anything at that time. Nobody was yeah. traveling, 
it was quite a bit easier to get people to commit time when they had no other choice. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. It's a good thing. You know, I mean, during the pandemic, if there wasn't something to do like that, I was missing all the virtual conferences and the meetups. If it wasn't for that, I think I would have went crazy, you know, no social, no socialization except for my wife. And then my daughter was being super careful during the pandemic, you know, to protect herself, but also protecting myself since I'm older and, and, and nice of her to do that. But yeah, there was just hardly any kind of socialization. In- yeah, that was, and I remember you had things like, uh, uh, um, pancakes con when Leslie Carhart was like, I'm going to do a con. And I remember I, they, they, uh, they, uh, they posted about it and I was in my kitchen making mac and cheese. And <laughs> by the time between me putting the, the macaroni in the water and it being finished, I had come up with a talk title and written an abstract and submitted it. Uh, and it was about funny enough. It was half about thread hunting and half about streaming, like how to stream, how to, how to start up a Twitch channel and stuff. So yeah, you had those. I, I ran virtual things for, I, I ran the streaming for uh, Diana uh, initiative. I ran the stream for B-Sides Delaware for a couple of years. We did a, we did a pros versus Joe's thing. Um, they do their thing at DEF CON. So we did a, we did a live thing with them. Uh, so yeah, it was, you know, if there was one positive out of it, we got, we thought up ways to build better mousetraps and keep doing things. And of course we all played our fair share of things like, you know, among us and, and, uh, and, uh, uh, Jack, Jackbox games and stuff like that. So it wasn't, it wasn't all bad. It's, no. you know, there was, there were silver linings that do have those ripples are still being felt. People are still doing things like new things were built and torn down and built again. So yeah, we just, you know, we do what we do as hackers. We figure out a way to make something work that by nature isn't supposed to work. Yeah. The true, the true meaning of a hacker. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, well, what do we do now? We're not going to let some stupid virus, uh, you know, not let us have some kind of fun. Yeah. So before we get too far into the show, you know, some of our listeners are kind of new to the industry. If you wouldn't mind kind of sharing your background. Yeah. So I got, so I've been in security proper for 11 years, 11, 12 years now. And I came from a uh, like regular IT background. I went to some stupid school that I don't even think it exists anymore. I got a little associate degree and I started out in IT. I was a, I was an onsite desktop technician for this law school out here in Pennsylvania. And, uh, yeah, it was just like the run of the mill graduated high school in 99 and didn't know what to do. I think I decided to do computers like a week before I graduated. I was like, God, do something. And there's not a whole lot of work in Lancaster County for tech or whatever. So um, I did that. And then fast forward about 10 years, uh, I was like, oh, there's not this is pretty boring. <laughs> like, this is getting repetitive. And that was back when they were doing the commercials for like MCSA, make $100,000 a year or whatever, which was like complete baloney. And um, I'd grown up with a bunch of the kids I had grown up with ended up being got into hacking and got into security because, as we know, hackers came first, the industry came second. So once they were able to get jobs doing the stuff that they did when we were kids, they're like, hey, have you ever thought about this? And fast forward, that's what I've been doing. And I got started. My first gig was at a security operations center for the FDA. That's when I learned I would never work in government again. Uh, (laughs) that, That turned me off right away. I was a contractor and I was like, nah, I don't think I'll be here for long. Um, and then from sock, I ended up working at companies like Mandiant and GE and, uh, uh, bank of America, stuff like that 
focused mainly on threat hunting. That's just kind of what I happened to fall into. My first gig at Mandiant was on a a product team and the product was like a threat hunting tool. And that's how I learned. I learned from the David Biancos of the world and didn't even know what threat hunting was back then. And that's just where I ended up and where I stayed Um, up until pretty recently in the past three years or so. I've transitioned now from that kind of technical threat hunting type background to uh, kind of leaning into what I do best. And that's talking. Um, that's you know, so I did like the evangelist thing for a little while. I like Splunk and uh, 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 Gigamon. And now I'm with uh, Trimark Security. I'm a customer success manager there. Uh, and I also head up a lot of our marketing, uh, a lot of our uh, project management, stuff like that. So transitioning more from the technical hands on keyboard thing. That's like it's been a really like cool arc to do because at a certain point I was like, I'm not going to be technical forever, which was a hard thing to let go of, by the way. Anybody that's thinking about that, uh, if you're listening and you have been doing this stuff for a while and you're like, oh, God, this is how I define myself. It's not the end of the world. If you're not happy doing it, switch, you know, find a way to switch. And uh, and that's what I did. So I'm pretty much doing that now. I, I do technical stuff, you know, in my free time. Like when I just recently I caught the bug again setting up you know different virtual machines somebody had posted about uh some kind of log ingestion wazoo or something um and it was like a tutorial and i was like well i haven't spun up a machine in a while so i did that and that was kind of fun and then i started going through john hammond's videos and like what else can i do with the server i I stood up and it's good to dust the cobwebs off after a while yeah very cool so i know you do a lot of uh volunteering and stuff and you're a goon at defcon so If you could kind of discuss some of those activities that you're pretty active in one. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, it's, it's my favorite of all the things I've done in my lifetime. uh, The top three would be meet my wife, have my son and be a goon at DEF CON. Um, It, uh, I, at a certain point, like cons are awesome. Like I I love conference. I love all kinds of conferences, you know, um, but I started to kind of want to do a little more and be kind of part of the machine that ran these things and not just kind of a face in the crowd. Like nothing wrong with that. Uh, you want to have fun and go jump around and not have to be beholden to anybody that it's awesome. But, um, so the first time I ever really got started was, uh, I went to my first DEF CON, it was DEF CON 24 and I was sold. Like, this is it. This is where I was always supposed to be. This is my, this is my thing, right? Right. This is where I'm this is my defcon is my new year's defcon is my christmas defcon is how i mark how my years go by and after watching things like hacker jeopardy with lintile and and all all different stuff like that i was like i want to do something so i started to host a game show of my own at defcon called uh who slides anyway and it's an old game that has been reappropriated and stolen a hundred thousand times but we have our own (laughs) little spin on it We've been doing that for six, seven years now at DEF CON. And then that year after that, I said, oh, I want to do a little bit more. And other friends of mine, they were uh, DEF CON uh, sock goons. And then somebody nominated me and you get your first year to kind of get tested out. And if if COVID hadn't happened, I'd be entering into my fifth year because uh, two of those years now were virtual. Uh, so I'll get my three year, my, my three year coin we get uh, as goons and I just, I, I love that. There's nothing more fun for me than to be on that side of it and being able mostly just to, you know, show people around and help people out and, you know, if, uh, uh, keep people sane and healthy and, uh, and safe, uh, in that environment. And you meet so many more people that way. And it is the best thing that I've, 
that I've ever done in this community, in this industry. Like it really is. I can't wait. It's like, we only have a couple months left to, to the next one. So yeah, that's, that's my thing. I'm, I'm very big on the whole, let's see what I can do from the inside type thing. Yeah. Very cool. It's one of the things too, that's just like going to the DEF CON for the first time, because for so many years, you know, I was working in consulting and security for quite a while before I went to my first DEF CON. I didn't go to my first DEF CON until 2018. Mm-hmm. And I was working as a consultant up until, you know, like the year before that or so. And part of the reason I wouldn't go to DEF CON was uh, my bonuses were based on billable hours. And I'm kind of one of these numbers kind of persons. I'm, you know, just kind of like the powerlifting thing. I want to hit this number. With that, I just want to try to, you know, make sure at least hit my 100% utilization. And, and so I didn't, so I would schedule my, my time off in slower parts of the year because I was doing like three or four weeks at a time on a pen test and I didn't want to lose out on those big projects. So I never did go to DEF CON and I finally went in 2018. It's like, wow, this is awesome. And no way I'd miss it unless, you know, unless I have to, there's been, when it first came back in person, the first year, my daughter had to have her, her gallbladder removed. So that was happening before I would have flown out, but there's no way I could be out of state now in case there was any complications. So I couldn't go, but yeah, it's like, uh, that's my thing. I have to go to, if I work somewhere where my employer doesn't cover the travel, I'll be going out of my own pocket because it's just, you know, family, you get to see so many people there that you don't always get to see everywhere. And then people international, not just people here in the U S yeah. And it really has taken on its own. Unless you you hear things, right? Everybody's got their own opinions of it. You'll, and just like any conference, somebody had a bad time or somebody did this. And listen, it's not without its, its, you know, its, its topics to talk about, but all by and large, and, and I'll say this from having been on that front line, I, I didn't come back the first year they were back because uh, kids didn't have their vaccines yet. And I have a, I have, I, at the time it was a five-year-old son. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to take that hit. Um, but then once everybody got their vaccine and we had a few rounds of it, then I went. So that was this past year. And, um, you know, even then you really get to see, cause it's stressful, right? People that they had the mask requirement and all these things for good reason. And that's fine. That's the policy that that's what we're going to do. And so you got to see everybody, you know, whatever that is, a hundred thousand people, however, however many came hundred, 200,000, whatever. And of that 99%, it was an amazing time. They understood it. They did the things they had their fun. The people were there. It is that one per- now one percent out of two hundred thousand people. That's a pretty hefty one percent, but it's still one percent, right? It may, maybe even less than that. That would have a problem. That caused problems. That did these things. Said these things. You know, acted a certain way. Uh, so that's still that's still like that still gives me heart to do it. Um, and yeah, you can you can. I I'll be going to DefCon for thirty years and never have really been able to do it all. It's kind of like going to Disney, right? Like to do it all you gotta go multiple years um and you never you can you can do it and never do it the same way twice you can spend a whole year doing villages you can spend a whole year going to talks spend a whole year just hanging out and seeing your friends it really is what you make of it and everybody for by and large that 99 percent is so friendly so welcoming you're having those hallway conversations you're running into people you're meeting people you're having these impromptu experiences that just seem completely off the wall crazy and it's like it was the best time uh, so yeah, like most of the times I'm, I've been very, uh, fortunate to have my company pay for me to go because it's part of my you know, professional development and that kind of thing. But yeah, I would absolutely pay to go. 
uh i did get kind of dicey one year because my first year was 2016 my son was brand new 2017 it fell over his birthday but i was like <laughs> listen he's two years old he doesn't know he doesn't know daddy's not gonna be there on his birthday and i think that's probably still a sore spot but we celebrated the week before where it felt right on it because it was like oh you know it was in july or whatever um but other than that it's getting better now he's older and my i think my wife is a little more uh, amenable to it of <laughs> me going because uh, it's a long time right like i've i'm there for at least a week um you know never longer because that's a lot of time in the desert uh but yeah dude it's um it really is just it's, for me it's magical and i love nothing more than to be gooning like a like a line in front of track one track two whatever and have be waiting to let them in and say whose first defcon is it and just to see hand upon hand upon hand go up and in that crowd of people waiting for line, 98% of them is their first DEFCON. It's the best. And it, it gives me so much energy to like talk to them and make sure they have a good time, make sure they're safe, give them advice if they want it and show them around to places. And it's just, it really, if I can't talk enough about it, like I really, I really am still madly in love with it. Yeah. That's what was awesome. Last year was our first time to get to meet in person was at DEFCON. So I kind of, yeah, kind of, kind of looked out. I was going uh, on a helicopter ride with cobalt mm. it got canceled because of the thunderstorms and we just happened to end up getting dropped off through the uber at the hotel i guess they were staying at yeah and it just so happened to run into you and, and steve reagan there so walking through valleys yeah so i got lucky you know it's just like you know making life gives you lemons so making lemonade out of it and that turned out to be a, a lot better situation to get to hang out with you guys than going on a helicopter ride yeah, dude, that's what I love. And I was just strolling too. Like my my when I when I first get to Vegas, one of my first things I do is well, I drop all my stuff at the hotel, or whatever. But then I take a stroll. My favorite is to go through. It's not. It's called something different now. It's not Bally's anymore, but yeah, Bally's for all intents and purposes. And walk through Bally's, walk through Paris, go go to the uh, go to the uh, you know the 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 Triangle Bar, the Chandelier Bar, or whatever in Paris, and see who I see. Right, because I know. The worst thing to do, though, is when you do that, you've landed and it's midnight and I got to get up to Goon at five o'clock in the morning. I'll take one <laughs> more stroll, see who's out. And of course, everybody is out. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, yeah, I saw and I was walking through and Steve's like, yo, posse up over here. And then you came and like, I, I love that. I love yeah. walking through a hallway, going to do one thing. And then all your plans change in like the blink of an eye because you saw people and you're like, nope, my plans are now here. Yeah, that's what's amazing about one of the things I love about DEF CON too is to be able to see all the people that you want to see is kind of hard to do because I, when I go to, it's kind of ruined the small regional conferences for me because I go there and I'll see a handful of people, but I go to DEF CON yeah. and see a lot of people. It's hard to go anywhere without running into someone you know. It's amazing. Yeah, and it, and like if it just so happens, like, and there's always my other favorite thing too is every year in DEF CON, I get a uh a uh a, a voluntold partner i will see one person right and i will not be able to find any of my friends that i try to find because the vortex gets you but i will run into that one person a hundred thousand times that weekend like, i can't get rid of them like i keep following but i can't find my other friends but yeah <laughs> you know that's why it, but it, on the other hand it kind of sucks of those little ones like yeah you're kind of bummed you don't see as many people but that also it makes it even cooler when you do see those people because that you just got double what you would normally get to see them it, rather yeah. than once a year like oh crap like we're going to be in chicago for blue team con and most likely we'll see some people there that's why places like schmoo are so amazing 
um not for the conference itself like a conference is great but like everybody goes for lobby con everybody just mm-hmm. even if they're not going because badges are so hard to come by it's kind of like that happy new year here is your halfway mark to vegas right this is schmoo con so everybody's going to be it's like the east coast version of defcon um in terms of seeing all those people in the same place yeah, Wild West Hackenfest was pretty fun last year. I like yeah, that. But like you said, really too. Fun. But those conferences, like, I haven't been to Shmoo yet. I want to go there. But the thing, when you find those conferences like that, and just like you had the DerbyCon before, is when you're able to go to these places and you don't see as many people, but then you're able to spend more time hanging out yeah. with, with people. Yeah, it, it can be much, much more chill. You have opportunities to be like, what are you doing for dinner? And like, you're not, you know, you're not going to get Shanghai'd. <laughs> like, there's less chance of it. <laughs> like, you can make those plans. You can just do the one-on-ones. Like, when I was going to Circle City Con, you know, I knew I would go see Reagan, and we would have the time, right? We would have the time and the opportunity to sit outside, have a cigar, go to Nikki Blaine's or whatever, and like, you knew you could do that. Whereas, like, if if there is a positive and a negative to Vegas, is that you see all the people do all the things, but it goes by so quickly. Because you're seeing all the people, you're doing all of the things, you're not sleeping. You should sleep, by the way. You should absolutely take at least a nap. <laughs> but uh, you know, I try to at least take a nap. Um, but so yeah, it's um but yeah, that's why it's just a magical place despite all the heat. <laughs> the yeah. heat and the, the I don't I don't ever leave the hotel, honestly. Like you're not gonna find me going walking around the strip if I don't have to. Yeah, same here. I I got invited to that women's award banquet and I went to that thing and I had to wear a suit and it wasn't that oh, far. Oh my god. It was a quarter mile, but I was sweating my butt off <laughs> walking over there. It was miserable. Dude, I got married in Vegas. I, so before I ever went to DEF CON, my wife and I got married at Mandalay Bay. And so I did. And after the wedding, we got married at the. So anybody who goes to piece of trivia about me, if you're walking uh, into Black Hat from the main uh, casino floor in Mandalay Bay, you pass the chapel. That is where my wife and I got married. And uh, we had to walk around in, our, in my suit and her dress. Uh, they took pictures outside and it was still, it was April and it was hot as shit out there. And um, so I remember, I was like, God, thank God we didn't do this in August. And we were at the pool and at the at Lazy River and stuff. We got a cabana. And like, again, that was April, like middle of April. I can't, I, I can't <laughs> fathom having to do that in August. Yeah. What about yeah. San Diego, Jeff? Can we do San Diego maybe sometime? <laughs> I hear that's nice. I Tell hear you, that's slightly what- less weather oppressive yeah yeah it's a pretty nice place i was wonder if there'd be some place big enough to support that many people that no we've all had this yeah. conversation before it's super expensive too they wouldn't be they wouldn't do it yeah yeah that's true too because that's like one of the things with rsa in san francisco it's a lot more expensive there what by the way i ran into ran into steve while i was there at one yeah. of the one of the parties so i got to see I'm, steve there i miss steve i don't think i've seen steve for Man, I don't think I've seen him since uh, since Vegas. That's sad. Now I'm bummed. But yeah, soon. <laughs> That's not long, though. So yeah, kind of how did you get into the streaming thing? Man, so I was on... Uh, well, uh, you, to go way back, I used to X-Radio DJ. Um, I, was, uh, I, was on a, I was on Cumulus Broadcasting out in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And I used to host a weekend metal show, and I was on air there for a while. And so that kind of always stuck with me. That's where I kind of caught my chops and my, you know, love of having a microphone in front of me. And uh, so fast forward to doing security stuff, you know, I started to really like get into doing talks and things like that. 
and then people were starting to do shows. I mean, obviously we all came up, you know, listening to, you know, Paul.com, which became security weekly, which now became the myriad of security weekly shows that they have the enterprise security weekly and things like that. And uh, people started doing it. So I was on this little one uh, with a few people for a while. I thought, you know, that was kind of cool. Um, I was, wasn't sure what I was doing. They invited me on and I was like, why am I coming on here? And then the more that I kind of got to know it and got more comfortable with it. And then that ended and I was like, you know what? I've, I really started liking, I love interviewing. Like interviewing was always my thing. When I was in radio, I loved interviewing bands. Uh, I, I loved doing that kind of production work. Um, I used to make the commercials and stuff for us. And I was like, I'm kind of getting that itch now that I can do that here. And because of going to DEF CON and because of going to all these conferences and, and being on Twitter and social media and things like that and meeting people like that, I met so many people through Twitter. I was like, turns out I know a lot of really smart people and I'm starting to become <laughs> friends with these people. Why don't I just interview them? There's got to be somebody's going to want to hear that. Um, not that I wanted 100,000 people to be following or whatever. I just like my thing is this. I love teaching. I love creating things for people to listen to and maybe think differently about. And I always say if only one other person finds it valuable, then it was all worth my time. All of the editing, all of the planning, all of the actual showtime. If just one person is like, I watched that and I got something out of it or it made me think about a thing or whatever, it was totally worth it. And when I stop getting that, I'll stop doing it if I think people don't care. And I've never stopped getting that. I've always run into at least one person that said, hey, I heard that thing that you did and it made me want to chase this down. Or uh, my favorite is when I do a stream and there are people in the, the reason I love Twitch very user interactive, right? It's very user involved and, and uh, you can involve the audience. So this, these two of my friends met in the Twitch chat and one of them ended up getting a job from the other one. He was looking for a job for a long time. So when I hear something like that, no matter how burnt out that I might be on it, that refills my tank all the way. And I was like, I got to keep doing this because it's fun. Uh, so yeah, my main thing, like I don't do the news thing. Uh, everybody does the news thing. Like, that's fine. We do some commentary on it. That's fine. I do our current stream is the one for Trimark security. Um, but, uh, it's just, it's just friends, friends. Like, uh, you know, everybody has a, my thing is everybody has a story. Everybody has a perspective. Everybody's perspective is unique. I'm not Phil Wiley. You're not Danny Akoski. I'm not Dave Kennedy. Dave Kennedy is not John Strand they all see the, the world and they experience it differently and you don't know. So you can ask the questions. That's why I like threat hunting because threat hunting is just one question after another. And every answer begets another question. It is, it is addictive. It is, it is this never ending digging a whole puzzle thing. And I love it. And I keep unearthing new things. And through all of this, I keep sharpening my own interview skills. Like I have interviewers, that's uh, that like I look up to. I've looked up to Howard Stern for a long time. Uh, the dude that did uh, Inside the Actor's Studio, um, whose name escapes me right now, but like one of the best interviewers of all time. So when I hear that, like that gets me jazzed too. I love when people have really great conversations. And um, yeah, it's just, and I've been shocked at the people I've been able to talk to. But then I'm not shocked because people just want to talk. They love having mm -hmm. conversations. We were at Schmooth this year. And we were broadcasting live. I set up all my gear. I brought it down with me. I drove down and um, and just were pulling people in. 
to have uh we i got i just pulled in i never met him before uh bill pollock from uh, no okay. starch press i was like bill i need to you would care if i interview you i'll talk to you and i talked to him for an hour and a half like it was one of the best he was the coolest guy so it's just i gotta talk about that forever man like that's why i do it that's how i got into it from one little show and then i realized kind of what it was scratching an itch for in me and you know i'm gonna do it till it's fun and then i did my own show for a while and now mine's more sporadic and i put more of my energy into the trimark show which is just honestly a branded version of my own show which is fun yeah. sean lets me do that um but yeah man that's how i just kind of happened into it because for other friends of mine were doing it and invited me on and then i figured let me go try this for myself yeah it's really kind of cool to see content creation of as a whole how it's helped people in the industry because you know you've got people that have kind of broken into the industry because maybe they're doing a walkthrough on youtube or streaming a walkthrough or hack the box or something on on twitch yeah and that's the coolest thing man people a lot of the times it's much the same way that it holds people back from giving a talk or writing a blog about something because they think, oh, somebody else did it before me. So why should I? Nobody's going to want to read if I do it, which is a complete fallacy, because once again, you're experiencing this thing in, in a way that they're never going to be able to because you're you and they're them. Um, so one of the things that people love, everybody likes to tout their successes, right? Everybody we, we always see everybody else's highlight reel. That's the old saying, right? You know, you see everybody's highlight reel. But here on Twitch, and I, and I did this, I did 24 hours of this one time of doing Hack the Box. It actually devolved into me doing makeup and eating hot peppers because I gave up. <laughs> but uh, that's, uh, that's still on the internet somewhere. Um, but being able to do that uh, and seeing the fail, people love, and it's not for a mean reason. Yeah they don't want to see you fail they're commiserating with you it's a camaraderie of oh man they're thinking i thought i wasn't any good but i so i i know what got me into that was the first time i ever saw rob fuller right mubix mm -hmm. mubix was my introduction to people doing ctf streaming i of course some people have probably done it before but i it never dawned on me that this was even an idea and I remember exactly where I was sitting. I was in, we had just bought my house and house I'm in now. I'm sitting in my living room just on Twitter. And I saw Mubix go, I'm live on Twitch. And he was doing it live. And he was failing in the same ways that I was failing. And Mubix, I mean, for, I mean, anybody who knows who he is knows like, dude's a legend. Yeah. And like, but he's still, he's, he's doing the same fails. He's getting just as exasperated as I do. And I, to compare it to him, I know nothing. So I was like, that made me feel so much better about like, why am I worried about failing in front of people? Like, why? what's the worst that's going to happen? Somebody's gonna call me a noob and then the rest of the chat's gonna be like, hey man, shut up, because that guy's doing a thing. Like, yeah. that's the best, fail. People love fail stories. They love fail stories so yeah. much more than success stories. Well, they like to see the the actual human. You you look at things yeah. through like a an Instagram lens where everything's perfect, always success, never a cloudy day, everything's perfect. And it's not true. There's people are having bad times and people really need to know that sometimes you're going to fail. It's not the end of the world. You know, failing is going to make you better. It's the only way you learn. It's literally yeah. the only nobody learns as effectively always succeeding. First of all, they don't do that. Nobody like and anybody who casts the first stone at you, ask them, have has has every one of your scans ever worked? 
Like, I'm sorry, you know every switch to every command for Nmap? Go ahead and show me that. Like, you don't. And how did you mm. know that? Because you failed 8 million times doing it, you know? Yeah. One of the other things that Mubix did, it was like, he couldn't remember a command, so he just did the up arrow for 30 times, like all of us do. Like, mm -hmm. Mubix's people too. Um, it just, that, that one really stuck with me. Um, and then... So I started adopting the, you know, that, that mindset of if I am going to go do a thing that I don't know how to do, chances are good. My money is on the fact that somebody else also does not know how to do the thing. Somebody else is also going through the same thing. But the only difference is maybe that person isn't as comfortable putting that out there. Maybe they don't know how. Maybe it's not their thing. Nope. Not everybody wants to talk like we do, <laughs> like not every it's not their jam, but they want people to commiserate with and be a viewer for that. So if that person exists and I am 100 percent sure that they do at any given time, um, I am going to do that because I don't care. I don't care about looking uh, dumb. Yeah, first of all, you're not dumb when it does it, but like I don't care about looking like I'm failing because I am, but I'm also learning. Uh, you know, your, your failures are, 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 are ways to learn too. And again, that goes back to the 99% thing, right? Like 99% of the people are going to be super supportive. You're going to get lulls in the chat going, bro, I did the same thing. Like, I hate that shit. Uh, and even if one person comes in and says something like it doesn't matter, it matters literally zero, uh, <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. Cause you also just learned, even if you do it, like we were talking about working out and stuff, right? Like, if you just go to the gym on that day and you're like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. I'm just going to go. And if I lift, if I lifted one thing for 10 reps, that is 10 more reps than I would have had. And if I, even if I did that same thing for seven days, that is 70 reps of something that I would have otherwise not have. You put mm -hmm. your reps in, whether it's weightlifting or computers, you put your reps in it, it all, everything stacks. Yeah, kind of to, to change topics because I want to cover this because, you know, you've made some phenomenal progress and had a really great transformation you, because and one of the one of the silver linings, you know, you mentioned several linings, linings during the pandemic and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you, like a lot of other people, kind of really got into focusing on fitness and their health during the pandemic. Well, OK, so a little clarification. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It was the it was because of the pandemic that I did during the pandemic. I I was already ruined. I just really leaned into it. Right. Because we were all and matter, that's kind of it's kind of like not true. Right before the pandemic, I'd started working out again. And I had lost like 20 pounds or whatever. And I thought I was feeling good. And then we all got locked down. So what do we do? We hit the comfort foods. We hit the booze. We hit whatever your drug of choice is. Right. Uh, so we were, I wasn't sleeping. I had actually just got into gaming for the first time. I bought my, built my first rig, uh, cause my buddy, uh, Serbo uh, was on Twitter and it's like, I built a new rig. So I copied his rig. And so I was gaming till four o'clock in the morning. I was drinking pretty much every night eating, didn't care what I was eating. And right as, so that was all of 2020. And then as 2020 was winding down, I was in rough, rough, probably rougher shape than I even realized. And I was talking, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine, um, about how he got, how he got fit and Dave Kennedy, uh, and we were talking about it and he introduced me to his trainer. And, um, after that is when I, I actually, it was because of that and talking to him that I thought I had somebody to like prove something to, 
uh, all the time that, you know, him and I spent talking about what to do, how to do it, that kind of thing. I, th- I thought he deserved a return on that time investment. So, but then <laughs> as luck would have it, I hadn't gotten COVID to that point. I got COVID on the first week of January in 2021. Uh, my fever actually peaked on January 6th, which as we all know is the insurrection. I thought I was having a fever dream. Uh, so that was kind of like, um, that was a good and a bad thing um, because that actually really shook me into because I was almost hospitalized if my O2 had gone my O2 was down at like 85 and my doctor was like if it stays there you have to go to the hospital and we all know back then there were no beds and even if you did get a bed you probably won't come off the ventilator so that scared me and I said well since I'm not hungry anyway <laughs> I'm just not gonna <laughs> eat for a while or you know make make uh you know lemons out of lemon juice whatever and uh <laughs> so I took all that and then I started going for walks uh mostly I went for walks because I wanted to not die. <laughs> the first walk I took was on day seven of after getting COVID. This was pre-vaccine and all that. And uh, I walked a quarter mile. It took me three hours. Wow. And then I was in bed the whole next day. I was down. I was out. But every day past that was better and better and better and better. And then I was walking like I was rucking. You know, you put weights in the backpack. I was rucking for miles and miles and miles. And then that's how that started. So it was actually due to COVID getting it and scaring me. I don't know that I would have got my stuff together had it not been for getting it. Uh, It's a dangerous way to have that happen. But I also realized like I was taking I was was taking for granted all of my healthy days, like because they're not always uh, they're literally not always guaranteed. We, We know that we know that, especially now with, you know, so many deaths and things like that from from this virus. Um. And then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm starting a thing. I'm at here and here. I'm going to talk about move about Mubix again. Um, Mubix was doing, so that was January. Right. And that was when the election results and everything. So Mubix did a thing not to get too political or whatever. I, I don't want to do that, <laughs> but he did a thing uh, of doing burpees, right. For like, uh, I forget what the burpees were for like, it was something that, it was a count something that Trump had done or whatever, or, or no, it was how many pardons or whatever that Trump was going to give or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and it was, so, it was very tongue in cheek and very silly and whatever, but we were, so we did burpees and I recorded all of them. And after that, that, that also kicked something else into high gear. Cause I did like, I forget how long it took or whatever. Um, but then I started doing, making a little content out of it. I would bring my camera and I, and I did all my burpees for the day in different locations around my city. I did one, uh, I did one down at the river, I did a whole bunch of other places. And then from there, I was like, okay, now what do I do? So I did this, I'm feeling okay, I'm feeling okay, what's the next step? I'm gonna get a trainer. Uh, I couldn't afford Dave's trainer, but I found one, uh, she, she's remote. It's a website called Training Think Tank. And I was like, I need help. Now, this is a very privileged take, right? I had the means to do this. It was a very fortunate, but it is also very, very stupid if I didn't do it because I have the means to do it. You know, she ended up being like 250 bucks a month or whatever. And she goes, what do you want? What is going to make you happiest and keep you doing this? And this is the most important part of all this. Do a thing that's going to make you happy. Do a thing you're going to enjoy doing or you're not going to want to do it. Going on a treadmill every day isn't fun, right? Nobody wants to, They just think that's what they have to do. I said, I want to be strong. She goes, okay. And that's what we started with. She started with strength training. And then I said, 
I think I want to do powerlifting. She goes, okay. She made me a program every day for powerlifting. Fast forward, I got uh, I started did my first powerlifting competition in the beginning of 2022, um, and took first place in my in my uh, eight my age bracket. There's only two of us, by the way, but I beat him, so whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's how that's that's how that stacked. That's how that's and then there are a bunch of different branches off of each of these little steps that I had to learn a thing here, let go of a thing here, relearn a thing here, and then practice all of that over and over again i really feels like i don't know if you've ever used uh phantom uh from splunk i don't even no. know if it's called phantom anymore but it's like a it's it's like a remediation like a decision tree like if this then go here and then if this then go down there and a lot of my progression was like that it was like i did a thing and now here are several different ways that i had to do a thing to support that right like it's almost like I had the idea I wanted to do it, but I had to build the foundation for it first and then come back to it. So it's it's been long and it's been, you know, so that was if I really started it at the beginning of 2021, it's now middle of 2023. So yeah, it's it's been a while. Very cool. And yet no time at all. Like that's how it feels. Yeah, it's good. And that's one of the things I think really the kind of work we do setting in front of a desk, you know, setting a desk in front of a computer screen all day, you just don't realize how that takes a toll on your health, especially when working from home too. It's, it's nice to work from home, but one of the things I can tell because I have diabetes and when I test my blood glucose levels and just monitor things like blood pressure, if I'm somewhere, like if I go to, I'm away for a conference for a week or a week long conference, my blood glucose levels are better because I'm moving around constantly. When I'm at home, you just, to get to the restroom, get to the kitchen is not that far. And you, that just the basic, normal activity of just moving around your day-to-day -day activities can make a difference yeah and it's also very easy to get caught in a routine like i i lift for two hours at a time sometimes three you know depending on what i'm doing and and yeah i'll go and do but then i'll still go sit in front of my computer and have to do these things and then i get in my routine like i could stand to take an extra walk every day i could stand like i just i bought a bike a year ago and never used it i just started using it again because of all this um I could stand to do that extra stuff because I'm in a routine and I think I'm doing well because I've seen results, but I could be doing better. Um, and I just have to remember that. And I have to remember like the second that I, that I lose pace and the second that I get comfortable and the second that I think uh, like, Oh, I, I, I did it. Cause there is no it like there isn't, there's no finish line. You know what the finish line is? It's when you dead. That's mm -hmm. like when you die, that's your finish line. Other than that, it's a constant progression with little bouts of regression because that's natural too. Um, but as long as you put that effort in and, and you at least, the biggest thing is routine, right? Like now, it's not that I want to, I do want to go to the gym, but that's not my main motivation. It's that I've done it for so long, I feel weird not doing it. I am compelled to go. If I didn't go for long enough, that would change. And then I would be back to where I was. So why don't I keep that ball rolling versus the um, sheer amount of effort it would take to stop it? It mm -hmm. takes more effort for me to stop than it does to keep going. Yeah. An interesting thing, thing about that too is, you know, bad habits get us in the bad shape that we get into. So replacing those with better habits, you know, help, help us get in better shape. And, and I'm kind of the same way. Once you kind of get used to doing that, it's kind of a habit and easy to do. I mean, because just like building that bad habits of, not doing anything, eating bad all the time, you know, 
you build habits the the healthy way. Yeah, and that's what I've said. Like, it was the biggest realization to me of after I finally did see results that like my result that I see today was something I worked for you know three months ago, right? Like I didn't get I didn't we were talking earlier I didn't see that first vein in my shoulder for the first time because I worked out today. I saw it because I put in a huge 12 week shoulder cycle two months ago. And now look at it like, so it's kind of that changing that mindset from that immediate gratification of doing whatever you want, whenever you want to a long-term investment strategy, right? Of like, what is my, what are my returns later? I'm going to be tired now and do this and do that, you know, whatever. But what's it going to be like later? Everything stacks. I was sitting in my truck one day, realizing I'd come, you know, pretty far. And it was because everything good and not so good. And they're not like bad, but like good and not so good habits. They both stack regardless. Those good habits are going to add up. Those bad habits equally will add up. Um, you can keep a balance if you want to like try to keep that balance, but it all matters. Every day matters. Every second matters. Every minute in that gym matters. Cause what if you get sick? What if you can't do it anymore? And you mm-hmm. now what you don't have that root, those routines to and like, Make no mistake, like stuff will go south, right? Like, like I said, you, for every progressive step I took, there was 10 I took back again. Um, and and so that will happen, but it's these habits and the routines that when you fall back again will prop you up. It's the difference between falling flat on the back of your head and like just kind of being able to steady yourself before you fall all the way down because your habits are keeping you up. Um, it all sounds cliche and trust me, I know what it sounds like to anybody who's not doing this or whatever, who or has never gone through it, but I'm the biggest procrastinator and I am the biggest king of self-sabotage and, uh, uh, bat poor impulse control. Uh, I am that guy. I am no, I'm hundred <laughs> percent that guy. And yet even a schmuck like me still managed to pull this off so far. And I say so far because I can't, you know can't stop can't let it out of my sight because if i do it's gonna get bad again so yeah man it all stacks all of it awesome so we're getting down towards the end of the show is there anything you'd like to share before we conclude the episode no man not really i'm happy i'm uh life is good i couldn't complain if i wanted to um you know i just i i always i guess if it was anything it's if anybody took anything away from this is that you, you just have to start the thing that you want to do. Uh, we all have different resources at our disposal. Some of us have none. Some of us have a lot. Some of us have a little. But take what you have and and go and do that thing. Like maybe it's not working out. Maybe it is streaming. Maybe it's something different. But one of the, again, another cliche thing that, I, that it sticks in my head a lot of time is, you know, not being reticent about, the time a thing is going to take because that time passes anyway. So like start stacking those bricks now because the longer you wait, like, Oh, I, I should have started working out a year ago. Yeah, but you didn't. So start now, start today, go, go do a thing. Right. And above all else, be gentle with yourself. Like don't dive into a thing where you think you change every little thing about you, because that is just a recipe for disaster. Uh, it never works. It's never worked for anybody. It's you do incremental things and just be a, be prepared for the long game. I'm in it for the long game. It's a lot harder for me to lose my stomach now. It's going to be a while. 
I got awesome shoulders to to console me though. So that's fine. And like (laughs) celebrate your wins, right? Like I'm not happy with like that. My gut still hangs over my pants, but like, I sure am happy that I can press my son over my head and launch him into a pool. So like I, those are, those are my crutches to stand up against the other stuff that I'm not quite as good at yet. So be easy on yourself, be gentle on yourself and reach out for help. Uh, you know, a lot of times it was me sitting in my truck texting, you know, Dave at eight o'clock in the morning going, I don't want to do this. This isn't worth it. This sucks. I'm never going to get anywhere, blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, just go. You're already in the parking lot. Go in the stupid door. Um, you know, so just be easy on yourself. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Great advice. So th- thanks for joining me today. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Anytime, dude. I love you to death. I think you're awesome. Yeah, likewise, brother. Well, thanks, everyone, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to The Philip Wiley Show. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, to learn more about Philip, go to thehackermaker.com and connect with him on LinkedIn and Twitter at Philip Wiley. Until next time.